0: Where are we
1: starting? She's starting to Can't you see? We are so professional. You're listening to Impact Insights, a communications podcast by the Impact Agency. Do you want to you know, intro or you to intro? I thought this was the intro. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Welcome to the Impact Insights podcast. I'm Nicole Webb, the CEO of the Impact Agency, and I am joined by my general manager, Frances Twy. Hi, Fry. Hello, Nicole. How are you today? Yeah, I'm really, really good. Um, good. We've been having a bit of a giggle and had a um, struggle to kick this uh, podcast off today, so we're going to try and be a little bit more serious. Mm. Because we've got some things that we want to get off our chest today, particularly around um, leaders behaving badly, CEOs doing things that perhaps um, they shouldn't be doing and certainly shouldn't be doing in some some certain circumstances. Mm. So something that's been bothering me for a while now is um, the lack of, Presence or communication from CEOs, and this this was leading into the pandemic before the pandemic even hit, but even more so now during the pandemic. I feel like we need to give our leaders, um, you know, the Dan Andrews of the world, you know, and and, and Gladys, a, a leave pass f- from um, like from what they're saying and what they're doing. They've they've been. Nobody has ever experienced what we're going through at the moment. So I feel like our leaders need to be forgiven if they Mm. make mistakes, if they say the wrong thing. But CEOs, uh, um, you know, they've they've, they've lived through crises before. The pandemic is extraordinary. Mm. But in the lead-up to the pandemic, we weren't even hearing from them. So... I guess what I wanted to talk about in a roundabout way, because I feel like I've gone around about the cycle, is you know, should where should CEOs be? What should
1: they be saying? What should they be doing right now? Absolutely. I think you make a really good point. There's a there's a bravery in speaking and in participating. I guess from a government leadership perspective, they have to be at the front line and they're answerable to the public every single day. And maybe there was a very inward focus and, and most definitely a very inward focus at the beginning of the pandemic for leaders of businesses. They had to immediately respond to safeguard employees and clients and customers and the viability of their businesses. Um, but as we've moved through um, the last six, seven months, we are starting to, you know, we're very much in a, in a mode now where you can't just bunker down you can't stay bunkered down. That's not a strategy. And you make the really good point that it's not as though we had visible leaders that were living the values of their organisations outwardly prior to pandemic. In fact, many of them were missing in action then too. Um, But I think that you're right. Some who were perhaps active or um, emerging in terms of representing the interests of their employees and their community and stakeholders um, have not been present and and active throughout this period and and there really needs to be a moment where those businesses decide that they need to start participating again because, yeah, like just waiting for this to wash over is not a good strategy and we expect more of organisations in it you know, in 2020, even those who are experiencing the impacts of this pandemic and crises, crisis, we, we want to see their human side.
0: Well, just, just back in June, the Echo Network, the international um, network that we belong to, um, we did some research around CEOs' use of social media platforms, Twitter and LinkedIn. And we, we only looked at the, the top 20 companies by market cap in 15 countries. But we found that just 15% of CEOs have a presence on Twitter while only 31% have a presence on LinkedIn. And that is a 22% decrease from the same time the year before. I I just don't understand that they're communicating less during what is probably, you know, is this the the worst public health and economic crisis that we've had Mm. in our lifetimes anyway?
1: Yeah, and whilst, uh, you know, A a caveat to that can be, okay, some organisations are probably more open to or prone to criticism in a forum like Twitter if they're a retail services business, you know, or particularly large business. But the LinkedIn component really doesn't make sense. Makes sense. It's a professional network. Thought leadership is, um, you know, encouraged and um, almost a way, like if you look at those who are most prolific on LinkedIn, they become influencers through sharing their thoughts and insights and, and expertise so it really makes no sense from that For and it, and to me one of the themes that emerges from that is just control and compliance and control and compliance and pull it in rather than stick your neck out and I can understand from a litigious perspective that you know the less you do the less risk there is but from a growth and from a brand loyalty perspective and from an opportunity perspective in acquisition of clients and employees and stakeholders that align with your values and see you as more than just bits and bytes or products and services. They see you as true partner or um, something of true value in their lives. They're not going to get that from organisations that only have a glossy brand with no substance behind it and study after study shows us that the brands that are sticky and the ones that endure particularly in times of crisis are those that have an emotional connection and align with the values of their customers and the values of yeah. their employees so if you're not living those outwardly as well as internally can you really say that they are your values? if you're not speaking to them and representing them um, and you're just there for the bottom dollar i don't know that that is what that we expect of our top companies you know remembering that this is that we're looking at the upper echelon of organizations in every, in in 40 35 countries around the world that we looked at in that study with our affiliate partners um, you know we we expect more of that top end of town or at least I, I expect more from that top end. town. down. We yeah, should. Yeah, yeah. Just a, just some clarification. We um,
0: the study was only on fifteen countries of the of, of the group um, participated. But what you know, I just don't understand the um, the CEOs. And out of twenty CEOs in Australia from uh, the top twenty market cap companies that we looked at, only nine have LinkedIn accounts, and that was down from thirteen from two thousand and nineteen. I don't understand. Why, why the drop? Why, why for example, not, there's only nine out of the 20 in the first place, but, you know, why drop from 13 from the previous year? I, I don't know why, why, why they don't see the benefit of communicating and being transparent. And so one of the um, CEOs that is very, very vocal and, and has um, great engagement um, is Andrew Penn, the CEO of, of Telstra, He has 43,300 followers on Twitter and just almost um, 80,000 on on LinkedIn. He also registered the most posts relating to COVID um, over the last, what was up from March till June. Mm -hmm. Um, and He he uses both the platforms and this is, you know, true leadership. He shows empathy um, in his posts and he's also not shy of supporting social issues he's spoken out um, about or in support of the climate crisis, and he also um, posted about the Black Lives movement. He's um, an extraordinary CEO, regardless of what people think of Telstra. I know Mm. I even noticed um, people who made complaints directly to him, he would take them to, you know, the customer service team. He wasn't uh, um, afraid of shying away from that uh, at all. Um, Outside of the study, one of my favourite CEOs is is Alan Joyce. I know um, he's probably... Not um, the flavour of the month. Post job cuts yesterday, and looking to outsource some jobs. Um, but needless to say, he's he's always worn his heart on his sleeve. He's always um, shared um, personal accounts. Mm-hmm. He's always um, shared uh, staff communications on his LinkedIn. He's not he's not on Twitter. He's only on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think, from from my point of view, he has all the hallmarks of a, of a great leader. And really, why why
1: don't we don't why don't we have more CEOs that do that? Yeah, I think it's particularly interesting that this is a, a pattern in Australia. Um, there's an interesting organisation in the US called Just Capital that tracks what they call just organisations in the US, and they pull together you know the top Fortune 500 the top 20 CEOs in the Fortune 500 a year ago and conducted a roundtable around, you know, what it means to be a corporation. Because if we think about modern capitalist society, Western, you know, societies, um, and whilst ours is different to America, you know, similar similar flavour of capitalism is how we operate as a society. And, you know, the original definition of a corporation was about was pretty simple it was like one sentence and it was about delivering returns to shareholders essentially Um, and there was some really robust discussion in that round table which it was actually um, one year this week I think that uh, since that took place and there's now over 220 executives who've signed on to this new charter for what it means a purpose sorry of a corporation and they went from one idea of a stakeholder being a shareholder to um, a new purpose, that they share a fundamental commitment to all stakeholders that they commit to, one, delivering value to customers, two, investing in employees, three, dealing fairly and ethically with suppliers, four, supporting the communities in which we work, and five, generating long-term value for shareholders. So it's a much more holistic definition of the purpose of a corporation why does an organization exist you know Simon Sinek talks about what your why I think this is another interpretation of why um at a, at a capitalist you know concept why does a corporation have to own have to be about profit and and nothing else
0: they've completely um, flipped it haven't it with the shareholder was number one and now the shareholder hmm. is at the bottom of the
1: pile because a lot of that discussion looked at the fact that is there is there true long-term value for shareholders if you do not deliver on those other four fronts? And they unanimously agreed that the answer was no, that if you were a detriment to society in those other areas, in the way you treated your employees, in, um, you know, unethical supply chain um, if you destroyed the environment and community that you operated in, then there was no value to shareholders in the long term because shareholders are ultimately members of the community or maybe they're also employees or maybe they're customers. That The idea is that there's a cross-pollination of those, um, those audiences, particularly in large organisations. Earlier you spoke about Andy Penn and Telstra. Telstra is a prime example of an organisation where There is a cross-pollination of audiences. You you know, the likelihood that someone goes for a job at Telstra and also has some form of service delivered by Telstra is pretty high. Um, The likelihood that they invest in Telstra either, you know, consciously on the share market or somehow through their super, also pretty high. Once upon a time, maybe you had one message to deliver at the AGM, a different message to deliver internally, and something else altogether externally but that concept you know disappeared well over a decade ago if not longer um, you can't operate in silos you've got to live your values consistently across all fronts and considering all stakeholders this is do you what think, we... do you think it goes beyond the um,
0: living the values of the organization but you also live the values of who you are as a CEO as well and and how do how do you connect those two? How do you connect a value the values of an organisation with your own personal values um, as you as the CEO?
1: Yeah, you make a really good point. It has to be authentic. I mean, mm. hope that the leader of an organisation is appointed in that role because their own personal values align with the organisation. I think that probably should be a consideration anyway in the recruitment process if it isn't already. But you're right, there's other layers to it. And, you know, you spoke about Alan Joyce, who's, you know, under an enormous amount of pressure at the moment, as is everyone in that industry during a pandemic where, um, you know, planes are grounded around the world. But um, if we cast our minds back to the marriage equality, um, uh, what was it called? It wasn't a vote. It was, had a funny the name. Referendum. Or,
0: the referendum. It wasn't one
1: of those either. What it was, was some it? survey. I can't <laughs> yeah. remember. It was a ridiculous political affair. But anyway, the debate, which I also hate that word, yeah. the discussion around marriage equality and the individual, um, you know, personal authenticity that he brought to the table and, you know, alongside 19 of Australia's other biggest businesses, he stood out the front and said, Australia needs this. And he spoke from the heart and from personal experience about the importance of being seen as equal. And that is so powerful and, and brave and, and something to be, something to be celebrated. And we see it also from brands. We see some incredible work from brands, brands that are registered as B Corps that are doing good as well as achieving good um, and delivering good returns, it can be done. It doesn't have to be an anomaly. And even an organisation that is perhaps, you know, not um, not championing some new green technology, like it really, even a, a very very um, traditional business, can still have authenticity in the way they lead externally as well as the way they lead internally. Yeah, just back, just back on Alan Joyce too. He donated a million dollars
0: of his own money to that yes campaign, right? He he was backed by the Qantas board, and he sought you know he sought the views of major shareholders and staff and customers before he made his stand. But mm. you know, as an openly gay CEO, it was it was true to him. That it was also true to the to the organisation for which he works. Yeah, there's got got to be more of this. There's got to be more. We've got to we've yeah, got CEOs. Yeah. Have to step up and, and and and
1: and embrace this. And there's a full spectrum. You know, like I think that you know, a notable CEO activist that comes to mind for many Australians would be Mike Cannon Brooks. He's not afraid to stick his neck out and really put his money where his mouth is when it comes to taking climate action. And that is, you know, powerful and refreshing, but it also opens up the opportunity for other CEOs. And organizations to consider what are their passion projects, what are the things that are important to their organization, their employees, their customers and how can they um, take action as well as give words to those causes and it doesn't have to mean criticizing government or you know taking out billboards, it can be small actions as well but it's about aligning making your values and aligning your purpose with how you communicate because I think those two things are often thought of as HR exclusive and and, and people exclusive and very internal concepts, um, but the organisations who are doing it well are doing it on all fronts and that lens has to be brought to communications for that true and, that, you know, we've come so far from the concept of CSR, right? which was a nice to have, you know, we ran a fundraiser, we did a marathon, someone climbed something and we raised this much for charity. Now, I'm not denying that those things are fabulous and important, but tokenism is not what society needs and has to be meaningful.
0: Yeah, the um, 2020, I think, Australian bushfire crisis,
1: mm-hmm.
0: climate crisis, COVID. Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter um, movement, so much, so much there that CEOs could have
1: got behind and supported and 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 done it authentically. On the flip side of that, I think that you know the banks have done a, a pretty impressive job of in offering quite helpful and generous packages to customers, and I feel that they've been quite human. You know, we've talked about a few of those campaigns in earlier. Um, iterations of our podcast in earlier episodes but you're right the one thing that maybe was missing from some of that was maybe the brand spoke well or the package spoke well but it would have been really lovely for us to also have seen the leader speak to those issues um which wasn't always the case and look i'm not i'm not completely Mm. naive they've had a busy year (laughs) we're not saying that you know they should dedicate all of their time to this but It should definitely be a priority. It should be a priority at a board level that the board should be considering and thinking about what are the executive leadership of this organisation doing to ensure that we are demonstrating and living our values and purpose externally and internally, because that makes a more robust, enduring organisation and ultimately should lead to things like brand loyalty, employee loyalty. um, And also insurance. I often um, talk about this brilliant campaign we did years ago, remember, with one of our clients. We worked with uh, an insurance company and I remember we did a, a project around flood mapping and there was all this new technology that had identified areas of concern and it sort of rerouted where some of the areas in various communities were of higher risk of flood or lower risk of flood so some people's premiums were going to be going up and some were going to be going down so rather than just hitting this in one go there was a whole community consultation process there were meetings with council with mayor mayors um and there was you know um customer service liaison and there was a, a, you know a lot of notice and at the time it was seen as something really dry and not by us, <laughs> I really enjoyed the work, um, but perhaps from an external perspective, it's like, well, it's ba- you're delivering bad news, you're not really looking for headlines, you know, what's the purpose of this from a PR perspective? But then the Queensland floods happened about 12 or 18 months later and because of the work that that particular insurer did and their incredible policies of support of their um customers, they were the only insurer to not be completely vilified and, and with their fingers pointed at them in terms of, you know, is that, can you hear that?
0: It's incredibly yeah, <laughs> children, children are home from school and daycare.
1: <laughs> that's one. Of, that's my youngest in the background. He's just come home from daycare and they decided to do a mid-podcast record because that's what working <laughs> from home life is actually like. And I've lost my train but essentially um, it was they were basically in a position where um, both media and stakeholders wanted to turn to them for guidance and advice and they were seen as um, you know a really positive um, res- had a really positive response and a really ethical organization in what was a crisis.
0: So Fred, do you think,
1: It's too late to
0: change. If you've been a CEO in a role for a long period of time, do you think that you can be, for want of a better word, an activism? You know, look to what your true values and what your core purpose is in life personally and marry that up with what the values are within the organisation that you work for. Is it too late to to put those two together now if you've been in the role for a long period of time. The, the reason why I'm, I'm thinking this I know when new CEOs come in, they perform better because they take an outsider's view of the business they've got no legacy bias and they're willing to take some you know some pretty bold steps to shake up the established way of thinking. So I'm just wondering if you're a CEO and you've been in that role for a long time, can a leopard change its spots? Can can you take this activism kind of approach yeah. to life? Well,
1: I think as a cynical optimist, I'm going to say yes, but not exclusively yes. I think that some can. And there's a couple of reasons why. I think that the priority of this is perhaps not at the top of the agenda for all organisations, and that's not just reflective of the CEO. It could be cultural. I think it's also influenced by boards and perhaps maybe because it wasn't of importance or considered to be of importance in years gone by, then maybe that is also influencing the current day focus on this. The second thing is that I think all of us are capable of growth and change. I think that um, a lot of challenging and, and, and unprecedented things have occurred this year. Um, all around the world, we're experiencing very different Um, versions of the pandemic across the country and trying to be empathetic and understanding of all of the things that are going on in other people's lives right now. And one of the things that I've been thinking a lot about this year is it's not about right or wrong or which camp you're in, but rather whether you're open to learning and open to changing your mind on something. Um, Be open to changing your mind as opposed to someone just is a great activist or naturally puts themselves out there. I don't think that I don't think that many executive leaders are going to naturally fall into that camp without direction or recommendation or maybe just permission. Maybe it's about the executive leadership team backing them and supporting them in this decision um, rather than them sort of leading the charge from the front. I think it's even more powerful if there's a collective, Decision to do this versus an individual one.
0: So the Mike Cannon brookses of the world, who are you know, are the founders of the organisation, um, different model, for example, to right. um, a CEO that's um, hasn't founded the organisation and needs to report yeah. up to a to a board who may be more conservative than they are.
1: Yeah, and I think that um, maybe we we as a society, and it also I'm thinking about traditional media as well, need to be more open to the idea of an appointed CEO being passionate about things and, and being wanting to represent the values of. Because I was thinking about Andy Penn. Now he was preceded by David Thodey, I think mm-hmm. it was, and he was also someone who is a celebrated CEO who championed um, women in leadership and a number of other cultural um, shifts in the organisation and more broadly spoke to those things more broadly in Um, corporate Australia so I think that maybe in part Andy's ability to be in that top 20 um, in terms of his participation in external communications in Australia is because of the culture of the organisations and what came before so not being afraid to be the first is is what I think our leaders need to think about.
0: It seems to be a combination of what the CEO's values are what the company's values are and what the consumer, the client mm-hmm. um, values are as well and, and putting them all together. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I want to buy products from companies that um, share my values. hmm You know, Body that we do work for, love, love, love working for them I, because I share their values. They're, they're about um, putting women first and being bold and you know look at look at impact we're all we're all women mm. and certainly put women first within our organization too so that's kind of my personal values the, the and, company's and, values and then you know those yeah you know, that's right it's
1: all three layers exactly and and that's what it's about it's not it's not singular it's not just the corporation or just the leader or just the customer. It's about stitching all three together and also not being afraid of not being all things to all people. I think that that's something else that might be holding some organisations back from taking a stance on issues of importance to their customers is they're concerned that if they do, then a percentage of society or maybe even a small percentage of existing customers might not be in that camp. But the brave brands and the brave organisations do it anyway because they know that there is a greater importance than, you know, being all things to all people and just thinking about maximum um, profit, irrespective of value alignment.
0: And again, sorry, coming back to Alan Joyce on for Qantas, he came out and supported gay marriage and... And I think he even said that, you know, not everybody's going to agree with me then and, yeah. and will protest by not flying with Qantas and he said, and that's that's their prerogative and that's their choice and, and,
1: and so be it. Yeah, I think um, perhaps it also links to this concept that we're a bit afraid to disagree, that there's been this division. We talk about the divided states of America and the division between the right and left and all those sorts of themes that are happening around the world um it's it perhaps it's also that that we're not we're a little bit afraid of disagreeing or having different perspectives and different points of view maybe they're afraid and they just want to play it safe so I agree I think yeah definitely
0: well there's lots we can talk about I just um I'm writing a blog at the moment it's it's CEOs where the bloody hell are you um (laughs) so
1: we'll we'll share that Feel a person there. I feel like there's a catchphrase that links to another leader
0: of a nation, maybe. <laughs> no? No, not that one. No, 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 just just generally, just generally about so you know, generally. Um, Yeah, so that we'll share that on um on our website, www.impactagency.com.au Um so please have a read. Um give me some feedback, tell me what you think. But um, in the meantime, we're going to wrap up this podcast for today. So I am Nicole Webb, the CEO of the Impact
1: Agency, and I have with me Frances DeWine, General Manager of the Impact Agency. Thanks for bearing with us today, technology (laughs) and all sorts of fun things in the background today.
0: Yeah, I, I can't say that we've done half an hour because we've had so many interruptions. So if it doesn't, support, <laughs> if it's 20 minutes, half an hour. I have no idea how long it's been. just edit. Um, job yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone stay safe and um, we'll talk to you again soon.